What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Wednesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are going to go in-depth on this Dolphins and Chiefs game. I am so excited for Sunday, and it's only Wednesday. We're going to hear from Coach Flores. We're going to hear from some players and really get into the nitty-gritty behind this matchup Sunday. All of that and more on this Wednesday, December the 9th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation. Hey, Dolphins fans, the new year starts now at AutoNation. Let's skip the rest of 2020 and get to big New Year savings on your favorite AutoNation Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, Hondas, and much, much more. Shop safely at the AutoNation store near you or AutoNation.com and save now. So one of the fun things about this podcast, in addition to talking Dolphins football with you guys every single day here on Drive Time, is you know going over my experiences of my rookie year here in South Florida with the Miami Dolphins. And I turned my heater on for the first time today. That's an interesting concept because I wonder if it's just like the old dust up in the vents, but man, it smells horrible, like a, like a bad oven in my apartment today. So that's fun. And also I saw the alert that we might have iguanas falling out of trees today at some point, which I usually go for a run in my neighborhood, my, my community here. They have a big lake in the middle. I go for a run on the outside and it's all trees that line the outside of that little lake. Like, am I going to get an iguana in my head or in my face on my head? Because I'm not I'm not doing that. Like that's not, I don't don't want any part of iguanas falling out of trees. It sounds like the ultimate 2020 apocalyptic event. I know it's happened before, but whew, boy, I don't know about this. It's, it's a, it's definitely a, a South Florida baptism by fire with the iguanas falling out of trees. We'll see if that happens. And I'll go ahead and report back to you guys on if it does on tomorrow's podcast. But today we're going to talk a lot about dolphins and chiefs because It's only Wednesday, but I can't wait to get back to Hard Rock Stadium. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy going into a game, you know, heavily favored as much as the next guy, but I'm really, really excited to see a measuring stick against the defending NFL champions and the most potent offense in the NFL, maybe ever, when you consider the weapons they have and that quarterback they have, certainly up there with the 1984 Miami Dolphins, the Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice 49ers, the triplets with the Cowboys, the 07 Patriots. Uh, You know, there have been many, many great offenses in the history of the league, but I might stake my claim on this Chiefs offense with Mahomes and Reed and Hill and Kelsey and Watkins and Edwards Alaire and Le'Veon Bell and Robinson and Sammy Watkins. And where does the list end? It never ends. Let's go ahead and start, though, with the question for Coach Flores on Wednesday morning. And I'm going to cover this on today's top news as well. Regarding Miami's ability in recent weeks to limit the opposition's top receiver from a yardage standpoint coming into the game, and Coach Flores addressed a question on his Wednesday morning press conference about how do you go about dealing with a receiver like Tyreek Hill, who currently is number three in the NFL in receiving, and number one, or tied for first with Devontae Adams with his 13 touchdown catches. Here's Coach. Who do you want to put on Watkins? Who do you want to put on Miko Hartman? Who do you want to put on Robinson? You know, we got to handle the backs, too. You know, Hilaire's a good back. Le'Veon Bell's not a slouch either. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wish we could have 14 defenders. 
that'd be nice. But I mean, they're, they're you know they're hard conversations. You know, do we man them? Do we zone them? Do we blitz them? Do we? Andy's got every you know play in the, in the history of the National Football League. Uh, they run option. They run RPOs. They missile motion. Yeah. Not going to be easy. So you guys can have fun with that. I love hearing Coach talk about Andy Reid having every play in the history of the NFL in his back pocket. We saw Patrick Mahomes operate quarterback motion earlier this season where they flex him out and bring him across the formation in motion. He catches the snap on the move. Like, I have never seen that before. We've seen him go with that unique backfield where the the players do a little pirouette and twist and spin to shift into their new position in the pre-snap shifting that he brought up from like the 1948 Rose Bowl or whatever the heck that was that year when they... They showed the clip of the play from the Rose Bowl after the Chiefs ran it. I think it was last year's playoffs or last year's regular season. But Coach Flores talks about the many, many options they have there, not just from a a skill player standpoint, but from a call sheet standpoint with their vast, vast offense they run with Andy Reid. But I did, we heard Coach Flores talk about all those weapons, and I, I shorted there on Mecole Harbin. My apologies there for Mecole Harbin. He's definitely a big option in that passing game. But therein lies the rub. You can take out one name, uh, the big name options they might have. If you can take out both Hill and Kelsey, there are still <laughs> a stable of dangerous playmakers there for that offense. We've seen Miami do a good job of taking away those top op- top weapons against their opponents in recent weeks. And as I mentioned, we're going to go ahead and cover this in top news because I think it's a great storyline to track heading into this big game and a big hat tip to Brian Flores and Josh Boyer, the defensive staff and the players for executing this this fact right here, but I wanted to look at the opposition's most dangerous threat and their production over the stretch of games going back to, you know, I guess the bye week, I guess is a good jumping off point. And we'll just go off the most productive player based upon their yardage production. So Sunday against the Bengals, Tyler Boyd enters the game as the Bengals top receiver. He only played in one half of the game, got the ejection with Xavier Howard and this damn play skews it, but he had the 72 yard touchdown catch, but that was his only reception. They targeted him four times. He had 72 catches coming into the game and caught just one pass. So, I mean, That's his lowest production output from the catch standpoint, one of four targets on the season. But it gets better as we go along here. Jamison Crowder comes in, the Jets' leading receiver. He catches three of five targets for 31 yards in that game. Jerry Judy was the Broncos' top receiver coming into that game, into the last loss, the one loss of the Dolphins' last eight games. And he catches three of eight targets for 37 yards. That is minimal production. Good job of the Dolphins' defense there. Keenan Allen, one of the premier slot receivers in the NFL, one of the best route runners, if not the best route runners in the entire National Football League. He caught three of seven targets for 39 yards. How about DeAndre Hopkins? We know this guy catches 400 balls for 4,000 yards every single season, no matter who his quarterback is over the course of his career. He had three catches for 30 yards on three targets in that Cardinals game. You go back to the week eight game against the Rams, and Cooper Cup did have 11 catches for 110 yards. But context, right, guys? on 20 targets. That's five and a half yards per target. For some context there, Eric Rose, 5.2 yards per target allowed is the second lowest rate among NFL safeties who qualify for that statistic. So this season, the Dolphins have done a really good job of limiting the opposition's top target, their go-to guy, the guy they want to throw the football to on third down, the person they trust the most to make big plays. Miami has done a good job of forcing offenses to go to their second and third options 
and don't let the opposing team beat you with their best. It's been a good approach this season. It's worked so far. It's led to seven wins in the last eight games. And we haven't seen this Chiefs team against the Dolphins with Mahomes as the starter. He was on the team in that 2017 game up in Kansas City, but he was the backup to Alex Smith in that game. So the last relevant example we have was when Flo called the plays, the defensive plays against Mahomes in that 2018 AFC Championship game. And in that game, Tyreek Hill caught one pass on three targets for 42 yards. Travis Kelsey caught three of his five targets for 23 yards. But that's where Flo's comment comes in because Sammy Watkins has 114 receiving yards. Damian Williams has 66 yards through the air with his 30 yards on the ground and a pair of touchdowns. They can just hit you in so many ways. We talk about Damian Williams. He's not there anymore, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Le'Veon Bell, like the options just keep coming. They can hit you in so many ways. And so I just can't wait to see if this defense how they respond to that challenge, how they perform, how they how they do on third down, how they pressure the quarterback, how they cover downfield on all those options. Oh boy, it's it's football. It's what you want as a football fan. It's the test you want to see your team play in. And man, I cannot wait to watch this Dolphins team play this Chiefs team on Sunday. Let's go ahead and continue here with more Brian Flores audio before we get back into the game preview that's up on MiamiDolphins.com. And we'll talk plenty about Travis Kelsey in that preview. But first, I want to go ahead and let Brian Flores talk about what challenges are presented by the Chiefs tight end, who is second in the NFL, not among tight ends, among everybody in receiving yards. Here's Coach. Well, when you have an elite player like that, um, I mean, you have to pay close, close attention to him. You know, when he's in the tight end position and it's, you know, he's in the middle of the field and then he, you know, they do a good job of, uh, you know, flex him out. They move him around a lot. Uh, so you, you have to play close attention to him. You have to try try not to have a bad matchup with him because if you do, um, you know, obviously Mahomes is going to get it to him and, uh, you know, it creates a lot of issues. I mean, and oftentimes you got to double the guy. When you double him and they've got guys on the, on the, on the perimeter, then you know, those guys get singled. Um, so it presents a lot of issues. Uh, I think oftentimes you're looking at him and then they stick a run in there and, uh, you know, they get yardage in the run game because of that as well. So, look, he's a, he's a, he's a you know, dynamic player. Um, he's one of many on their, their offense and defense. Let's not forget about this defense either, guys. I mean, they got some uh, explosive players there too, guys who can ruin a game. So, yeah, they got a good team. You heard him talk about them sneaking the run game in there on you. There was a game against the Buffalo Bills where Mahomes had his lowest output passing yardage-wise, and the Chiefs just ran the football. So you have to find a way to try to limit both aspects of the offense. Not an easy job. Coach was also asked about how much does their ability to burn you with explosive plays and the dynamic playmaking ability of a Patrick Mahomes, how much does it change your mindset and your approach from an aggressive standpoint? Here's Coach Flores on the game plan as far as being aggressive on offense, defense, and in the kicking game. You know, we always want to be aggressive. I mean, I think it's the, the game is aggressive. We want to call it aggressively on, in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. And they're no different. I mean, they, they try to apply pressure, um, you know, really in all three phases as well. Andy, Eric, I mean, these are, I would say, two of the best guys in the league. You know, Eric Bianami, I'm talking about. Spags does a great job on defense. Tobe does a great job in the kicking game. I mean, these, these, they got a you know, great staff, very good players. Um, but, you know, like every every game plan, there's, there's a mix of things you want to do. Every team's got it. Every team's got blitzes. Every team's got pressures. Every team's got, you know, coverages. Um, so we'll see how, 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 how the game unfolds and, we have a plan going in. Oftentimes that plan has to be adjusted. 
you know, that's another thing about this this group. You know, Andy and you know, Spags, they do a great job of, uh, and Eric, I mean, they, they do a great job of making adjustments in game. So be, be a great challenge. And as always, you can catch Flo's entire press conference up on MiamiDolphins.com as well as the team's YouTube page. I can also please direct your attention to MiamiDolphins.com. The Dolphins and Chiefs Week 14 written preview is up on the website, so go check that out. Let's go ahead and talk about this game some more. 8-4 and four Dolphins, 11-1 and one Chiefs coming to Hard Rock Stadium. A 1 o'clock kickoff, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson on the call, so CBS is A-team. Look forward to having that for all the fans out there. 81 degrees, partly cloudy, 72% humidity, and 7-mile-an-hour winds expected. That's a bit of a jump from where it is right now, so a little bit more toasty temperatures and more humidity on Sunday when the Chiefs come to town. And we talk about this a lot, right? If styles make fights, then this game in Miami Gardens on Sunday is the main event of the NFL weekend. Yeah, Steelers and Bills looks pretty nice as well, but a number two scoring offense, the number one ranked offense in yardage going up against the number two scoring defense. The Dolphins are just one-tenth of a point away from Pittsburgh, 17.6 points per game allowed for the number one ranked defense in the National Football League. And then in the other corner, we talked about this, one of the most prolific offenses in NFL history. And let's just go ahead and jump right into the matchups. I started off here because we saw the game on Sunday night when the Broncos did such a good job on this Chiefs offense of limiting their red zone production and it kept them in the game. So that's the number one matchup here is to win the red zone. The Chiefs are going to put up yards. The only time Kansas City failed to eclipse 300 yards this year was a 43-16 win over the Broncos that featured a pair of touchdowns on defense and special teams that gave them a 24-9 lead early in that game. So it kind of changes the way, as we've seen with Miami, changes the way the game is played out after that with that big lead. But we talk about the weapons. Kansas City has gone over 500 yards twice this year and surpassed 400 yards on six other occasions. On the year, they've gained 5,131 yards. That's 372 more yards than number two Green Bay in offense this season. Last year, they gained 6,067 yards and trumped that number in 2018 with 6,810 yards that season. That's only a few hundred yards off the all-time pace in the 2011 New Orleans Saints, who gained over 7,000 yards that season. But Miami's path to slowing this juggernaut down, it's clear. I mean, they're going to get their yards. you got to win the red zone. And that goes for both sides of the football. Defensively, the Dolphins allow touchdowns on 58.3% of opponents' trips inside the 20-yard line. That's ninth best in the NFL. Conversely, the KC defense is allowing 75.8% of opponents' red zone trips to get six points on the board. That's 32nd in the league. And the Dolphins this year in Tungavailoa's first three starts were seven for nine scoring touchdowns and red zone possessions over the last three games they are three for seven so getting back to that seven for nine rate would go a long way to putting points on the board and forcing the Chiefs offense to match you in the red zone going to be a key to finding a win this weekend because that quarterback and that offense over there they leave very very little margin for error number two picking your poison again we talk about this a lot strength on strength it provides this Dolphins surging defense with its biggest test of the season Cornerback Xavier Howard leads the league with eight interceptions and a 49.3 passer rating allowed when pass when quarterbacks go against him. While Howard has been targeted a team-high 71 times, Byron Jones has been targeted 48 passes with consistently tight coverage. He's forced incomplete third-down passes this year eight times. So eight times he gets the punt team onto the field when they go after him. And Nick Needham's transition inside has been a fruitful one for Miami. Over that stretch we talked about earlier this this podcast, a lot of that was slot receiver production. Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, Jamison Crowder, Tyler Boyd, those premier level slot receivers saw 
14 targets and caught eight passes for 86 yards without a touchdown and one interception from Nick Needham. So he's playing really well in that slot position. Mostly, most of his snaps come inside at that slot position. But the opposition, Tyreek Hill, third in the NFL with 1,079 receiving yards. Travis Kelsey's 1,114 yards are second in the NFL, regardless of which position they play. They scored a combined 21 touchdowns and moved the chains 108 times. Both of those are tops among all NFL pass-catching duos. Mecole Hardman averages 15 yards per catch. That leads the team. Sammy Watkins catches 69% of his targets this year. Then, of course, there's Patrick Mahomes. No play is ever dead with this guy. Each snap is an opportunity to score, and he's pretty much impervious to a bad game. Just nine of his 43 career starts have resulted in a passer rating below 90, and only three of those games have produced a rating below 80. He's thrown for 107 career touchdowns, 20 career interceptions, and has a career passer rating of 110.3. The thing about Patrick Mahomes... And we've seen him throw the ball around his back. We've seen him throw the ball with his left hand. We've seen him jump pass and throw a laser. The thing that makes your blood boil when you watch this guy carve you up defensively is that you can send pressure and you can get coverage downfield. And this guy can do the cardinal sin and excel at it. It's fading away, getting back in the pocket, creating more and more space, let things develop for his receivers to finally create that separation. Then off his back foot, if you've ever played Madden before, you make this throw in Madden, it gets picked off every time because the quarterbacks just don't have the arm strength to do it. Throwing fading away, he can put that thing on a line and keep it from hanging up in the air and get completions that way too. So he can mitigate pass rush. He can mitigate good coverage. This guy is just the ultimate eraser. For my money, the best player in the National Football League. And if you do get that passing game slowed down just a little bit, if you can match that firepower, then you have to deal with the ground game because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is 11th in the NFL with 692 rushing yards. He factors into the passing game as well. He's already got 926 yards from scrimmage, a chance he can go over the 1,000-yard mark in this game. He's 13th in yards after contact with a 3.06 average yards after contact rate. That's just a few spots ahead of Le'Veon Bell, who's at 2.96. So both those running backs can make plays and make things happen. You have to bring the whole crew to the tackling party and get hats to the football. It'll be a big key for the Dolphins in this game. And finally, my third key matchup in this game is just keeping up with Kansas City because containing the Chiefs' high-powered offense is the most difficult chore in the NFL. And if winning in the red zone is the best path to victory, an efficient third-down conversion-based offense is not far behind that. Since Mahomes took the reins in 2018, opposing offenses have converted 52 of 105 third down opportunities. That's just below 50% in the Chiefs' nine regular season losses. You have to convert third downs and keep Mahomes out of the game. And the Dolphins found some of their own offensive rhythm in the second half of that game on Sunday. Tungavailoa's ability to distribute the football to Multiple targets like Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, Lynn Bowden Jr., Mac Hollins, or your tight ends and Mike Gesicki and Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen, or running backs Miles Gaskin, DeAndre Washington, Patrick Laird, Savon Ahmed, if those guys can go. That's going to go a long way towards sustaining drives and keeping Mahomes and the red-hot offense off the field. Sunday against the Bengals, Tungavailoa found eight different targets with five players producing at least 35 yards of offense. On the season, 19 different Dolphins have caught passes, and if you're keeping score at home, that 19th guy is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He caught his own pass back in week three against the Jaguars. We talk about the Chiefs offense, but their defense has Tyron Matthew, who is an absolute nightmare to deal with. He's all over the field, plays single high, plays two half, plays the slot position, comes down the box and blitzes 
fits the run game. This guy does everything. He's tied for first among safeties with five interceptions and just continues to to make life hell on opposing quarterbacks. Once they get the lead, they turn that guy loose to blitz and to play coverage and kind of spy the quarterback back there. And he winds up making one or two big plays every single game, whether it's a sack, a pick, a forced fumble. He is an absolute problem back there. And up front, it starts with Chris Jones. Among interior defensive linemen this year, Jones is fifth in sacks with five and a half, fourth in quarterback pressures with 46, and third in quarterback hits with 21. So finding a way to get Chris Jones blocked will be a key to help keep Tua clean, keep help keep Tua upright, and get this offense going. Chiefs offense, second in scoring, first in total offense, 16th in rushing, and first in passing this season. They have the second best third down conversion rate at 49%. And Andy Reid goes 11 personnel, 71.7% of the time. They go 12 personnel, 19.5% of the time. So mostly two receivers with two tight ends or three receivers with one tight end and one running back in the formation. And they do have some two-back personnel as well. They've run 86 snaps with two backs on the field this season. And on defense, only the Packers play more dime defense than the Chiefs at 35.7%. Their ability to light up the scoreboard often forces the opposition into more passing opportunities and passing situations, forces them to scrap the running game. So they play that dime defense and just unleash those defensive backs, again, on the blitz, in coverage, spy the quarterback, try to get the takeaways to go along with that high-powered offense. Their 37.7% blitz rate is the sixth highest in the NFL as well. Their defense ranks sixth in scoring, 17th in total defense. They are 27th in rushing defense and tied for 13th in passing defense. A win on Sunday for Miami would give the Dolphins their 31st winning season in franchise history and the first 9-4 and start to the season since 2001. And the Dolphins have defeated the defending AFC champions in each of the past three seasons, all wins over New England. They also took down this year's 2019 reigning NFC champions in the San Francisco 49ers, so you can make it a pair of victories over the defending Super Bowl participants in this game. Miami's plus 80-point first-half differential is third best in the NFL. The Dolphins' offense has the fifth-best scoring offense in the opening halves of games at 16 points per first half, and the defense allows just 9.3 points per first half. That's second in the National Football League. So winning that first half and keeping your offense in balance and forcing the Chiefs to have to play more base defense and forcing the Chiefs to have to to not be able to play from that big lead and, and turn loose Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew and that entire Chiefs defense, that's going to be a big key. So playing that first half strong like the Dolphins have this year can go a long way towards victory. Go check out the article on MiamiDolphins.com. We have plenty of coverage throughout the course of this week on this game. And just to mention a couple more players I did not yet cover on this podcast, the Chiefs offensive line also another very good unit. Eric Fisher been there for a long time, their left tackle, who was the number one pick way back in the 2013 NFL draft, and he's played well since his time there, got an extension. He has been in the lineup for every snap for the Chiefs this season. They also brought Mike Remmers in, and he has allowed only... 18 quarterback pressures, just two quarterback hits and no sacks this season, while center Austin Ryder has just five pressures this season allowed, and all of those are hurries. So no quarterback hits or sacks from their center in the middle of that offensive line. On defense, we talked about Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew. Well, Frank Clark is still there, and he's still putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. 33 pressures this season, also has 14 run stops. He's a guy you have to account for on every single play. He can beat single blocks. He can beat you with power. He can play both the run and the pass. To know Passanyaw, the former Villanova product who I was a big fan of coming out of college, he kind of has that Ogba build, the long, heavy hands, and he plays that way. He is third on the team in quarterback pressures. And you also keep an eye out for Derek Nandi up front. 
front, who has been a big space-eating defensive tackle for them. He has 16 run stops this year against the running game in the middle of that Chiefs defense. So they have plenty of options on offense and defense. Again, going to be a tough, tough challenge for your Miami Dolphins this Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. It is still Wednesday, however, a few days to go until game day. And with that, let's go ahead and get to player media availability from this December the 9th, Wednesday, a couple of days out from week 14 against the Chiefs. And we start here with the Dolphins quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, who first was asked about his comfort level now and is going to be a sixth start on Sunday and working out of different looks and different offensive calls and the, the process throughout the course of the week between he and offensive coordinator Chan Gailey and how they put together their plan and formulate what they like, what they don't like. Here's Tua on his comfort level. I'd say I'm, I'm comfortable with what I'm given, whatever plays that I'm given. I'm comfortable with them. Mind you, we, we talk about these things, me and Chan, we talk about what I like, talk about what I don't like. I mean, we, I, I have as much input as anyone else does um, in our quarterback room, and, and that's what uh, makes me feel that much comfortable to, to tell Chan, you know, hey, can we run this or can we not run this? Um, so, yeah, I, I would say I, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with, with what I'm given. And we'll kind of stay in that lane here and ask Tua about his comfort level with the no-huddle offense and the spread-empty formations and how that helps his game. Yeah, I, I think it... It, it helps, um, you know, just to kind of see the defense a little bit, see what the defense is, is going to give us if they want to blitz or if they're checking out of a blitz into coverage. I think that helps. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing, uh, really indicator formations. Let's go to the other side of the football here and hear from Dolphins linebacker Jerome Baker, who was asked about the multiple options the Chiefs have and all the crossing routes and the window dressing and the pre-snap motions and shift and how the Dolphins defense can combat that and have success against the number one offense in the NFL. Um, yeah, so it's just the a constant communication thing as far as we just got to communicate it throughout the whole defense of who's where, uh, you know, do we have the potential to do you know, crossing routes, whatever it is. Um, so it's, it's pretty much on a lot of us. We all have to uh, kind of alert each other and really hear each other and communicate well and you know, go from there, really. And we know one of the Dolphins' principles defensively and as a football team is to play aggressively. So Jerome Baker was asked about, can you still play with that same level of aggression and, and be and let go get the game rather than have the game come to you against an offense that has all these weapons and this quarterback? Here's Jerome. I, I think that's the, the challenge You know, we're going up against is um, you know, you still want to be aggressive, but you can't be too aggressive. Uh, so, yeah, that's just the main challenge we have. And, you know, we definitely just going to, uh, you know, see how everything just shakes us out. And ultimately, you know, our defense is you know, built on being aggressive. So, uh, you know, we're just going to wait till Sunday and see how it works out. And then from the statistics I read off earlier in the podcast, talking about how this defense has done a good job of limiting the opposition's number one receiver in terms of yards gained coming into those games. Here's Jerome Baker on how you can limit the opposition's best weapon, and specifically with the Chiefs. Um, this week is uh, uh, this week. It's all about you know playing team defense. We can't rely on one person or two guys or you know whatever it is. You can't just double somebody. You can't do things like that. Um, you, you ultimately have to play together. You have to alert guys if, you know, across the field. You have to pretty much just communicate and play together as a defense. The D-line has to, you know, go along with the coverage. Um, it's truly have to be, you know, team defensive game. So uh, that's the challenge you have. And, 
the one thing you know about us is you know we all excited for the challenge and uh, you know we definitely just excited to go out there and just uh, play together and everything should work out so up next Rob was asked about the challenges of going into a game or, or playing in that game on Sunday without Eric Flowers who of course was injured and had to exit left that game and did not return here's the rookie talking about playing on the offensive line without that veteran presence at that left guard position in Eric Flowers I, I think we all just ready to play whoever you know I think we got a lot of good guys in that room and I think we got a lot of guys that compete and whoever get the chance to step up um, I think that's been happening all year for guys to step up and get a chance to go in and once we go in I think we're all on the same page and the same we all got this we all see in the same thing so um that's just credit to the whole unit and um, the coaching staff let's go ahead and get one more here from Rob who I asked a question about dealing with that Chiefs pass rush up front they got some big names up there that can create pressure on the quarterback Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Passanio and Derek Nandi let's go ahead and hear from the rookie on what he's seen so far this week studying the Chiefs defense uh they're really good man I mean um really good pass rushers a lot of those guys um are high paid guys you know guys have been in the league for a while and very um respected so um we know that we're gonna we know we have to prepare well and um be on the same page and I think we'll be I think we'll be just fine all right, so there you have it. Very busy Wednesday media availability. Again, you guys can find all of these up on MiamiDolphins.com as well as the YouTube page. We didn't get to hear Devontae Parker sound on a quote from the um, charity event he did, or I guess the, the hospital gowns that he sent to Starlight Children's Hospital uh, that was posted by Adam Schefter on ESPN the other night. Devontae talked about it, but it was kind of tough to make out the sound here on the podcast. So I'll put the quote in the top news story for you guys. You can check that out and check out Schefter's timeline. Devontae sent the uh, hospital gowns with... Uncle Vontae and, and nephew on from his animated show on a hospital gown and gave it to some kids there. So really cool stuff there from Devontae. Let's go ahead and finish this podcast up by letting you know that Kyle Van Noy took home Defensive Player of the Week honors in the National Football League for his three-sack, five-tackles-for-loss performance in the win over the Bengals. Seven points, 196 yards, and 12 first downs for the Bengals' offense against this vaunted Dolphins defense. Kyle Van Noy, a big, big day, and he gets himself some hardware. The second time in his career, he has won that award, and the first Dolphin to win that award since Xavier Howard won it in the Week 13 game against the Buffalo Bills back in 2018 when he picked off a pair of passes in that victory. So congrats to Kyle. Congrats to the Dolphins for winning seven of the last eight games. As for my time on this podcast, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast on the Fish Tank this week. We're going to have Seth and Juice go back over a playoff game against the Chiefs that OJ McDuffie played in. So we'll have that extended version for you guys on Friday. Very excited about tomorrow's feature guest as well, so do not miss any of your Dolphins podcast here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network and, of course, everything up on MiamiDolphins.com, including today's top news with the latest on Dolphins news and statistics and injury report, all that fun stuff. Until next time, fins up.